What does it take to become an elite 40K player? How do the top competitors overcome bad dice? The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War Unbroken. Insight into the game plans of the top players on the planet with your hosts, Blake Law and the Art of War Coaches. Welcome back to Art of War Unbroken. This is part two of the episodes. If you haven't listened to part one yet, go check it out. We are joined again by Scott Horace, the Horace Heresy, a.k.a. Imperial Guard version of Horace Heresy. He went 5-1 and one at the Goonhammer Open last weekend with Imperial Guard. It was fantastic. We are joined once again by my co-host, Brad Chester, Mr. White Cheddar. He's good at 40K. He is a Art of War coach. Go and hire him at theartofwar40k.com. He will do literally anything you ask of him, and I mean It's, it's real weird, man. It's real weird. The Art of War After Dark. All right, Brad, why don't you start us off with your thoughts on Scott's list, what he could change, all the things that uh, go into that. Well, that's my... If you try to steal my thunder. Well, let's talk about when we start off here. We usually look for... Things you could have done, should have done, things you're going to do in the future, things that you learned from the game that you lost from. So let's take for take it from the top of you went won every game afterwards, you powered through. What did you take away from that? From that, we we touched a little bit on it in part one, where you could have spread out a little bit more. Target priority could have been slightly different when you basically said that this unit has to die. It's it's a priority for me, and then we didn't kill it. Obviously, so it became a problem in the thing. Tell us what kind of what you learned from and how you played differently going into the the next five games that you crushed through. Um, yeah, the big the biggest general concept, uh, which which we touched on at the end of the tail end of the last part, was never hit the loss condition. Give make it a zero percent chance, right? Even don't make it a five percent, make it a zero percent. Um, so yeah, that was that was the biggest takeaway. Um, and I was I was just really sensitive to looking for loss conditions for the rest of the tournament. Um, and, you know, in, in this, the case that we talked about last time in part one, I got kind of greedy. I wanted to work on the board state. I wanted to work on the score. Um, and really the lost condition was don't let the devastators fire again, right? They didn't necessarily need to die. They just needed to not shoot again. Um, next turn, then I could deal with it. Um, but yeah, so that, that was the takeaway going forward. Look for the lost conditions. Never make, never give them a chance. Make them impossible. Um, that's what I did going forward. Uh, there was many other lost conditions uh, throughout the tournament, um, and none of them involved Melta Devastators anymore specifically. Um, but yeah, I was very, very keen to identify those lost conditions and just minimize them as as much as humanly possible. I think that's so huge, though. That's such a big pickup on that because a lot of times, and I love the fact that you said put it down to zero. We do that in the math hammer. To, I'm shamelessly promoting myself on that one. But uh, I talk about that all the time is have the, those backup plans that, you know, make sure that if that's something that can lose the game for you, make sure that you've completely negated it. Same thing you were talking about and looking for those. I like the fact that you were saying it's not even looking for the win conditions at that point in time. You've identified the fact that there's certain things you have to do that are loss conditions, and those need to not happen. And I love, I love that actually. I've ever, I say win condition all the time. You're like, nope. I'm looking for the loss condition and making sure those don't happen on that. Well, that's generally what I look for when I'm playing down. 
um, or when I when I feel that the board state is down, right? I need to just not lose the game. I need to stay in the game and then you know develop the situation, shape shape the game to build to build to where I can actually push back. Um, and in this situation, I was down. I, I had lost three talks, lost my lost my guy already. I'm like almost a quarter of my army down. So I need to just I need to stay in the game, right? I, I, I'm not looking to win off one turn. Um, I just need to survive this turn and, and shape, right? I need to shape um, the board state. Moving now, forward with, with your... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Brad. No, you're okay. You, I'll just go. I screw it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a boulder rolling downhill. I can't be stopped. So the in the, that state, we were looking at that game they actually lost on that. Could, would it have been able to screen out with less and then use the the speed? I mean, a lot of your Torx and stuff, I mean, they, they still can shake and bake. And then kind of separated Voltron and, and spread out more and starfished afterwards, as opposed to taking those losses. I don't. I didn't know the exact terrain, obviously set of where yeah. you could have hidden, but it you could have taken less losses and basically <sighs> lost more guys. Still blocked out, so he couldn't have got those good multi-multi shots. You know, same thing that you did, and then kind of scattered a little bit so that it's yeah. less. Basically, you get less punished for uh, those squads trying to touch you. And stuff. It's it's something I had considered. Um, but I was actually out of deployment room. I, I was like really packed in. That's why I was asking because yeah. the you put for everybody on this. We we played the board quarter deployment on that, so you didn't have a ton of spots, I guess. And and I just take up so much room with with tank holes. So yeah, no, the the tarocks were kind of where they could go. Um, as far as deployments concerned, I could have. I actually ended up with I think one tarox in melter range off of the off of the uh, multi meltas by like an inch or so. And I think I had I had the movement to like move them back an inch to not get the plus two damage. But I think that was kind of the only the only thing I could have done there. I, I generally still I think I would have deployed the same or similar to how I did again. Um I don't I don't think the deployment was too big of an issue. Um it, it, obviously hiding my character, my my little Tempester guy would have been probably a good play. But uh yeah. <laughs> did, did you also think about maybe having some other stuff in reserves because of the way his matchup? Because he's got some really nasty stuff coming at you, but he does have a, a lack of u- total units. You know what I mean? So did you think about reserves, uh, more reserves on that to give yourself more options? Because you know he's coming at you hot and heavy with all those thunder hammers. Yeah. Um, I generally I generally just don't use strategic reserves because I, I need the Tarox on the board right away. Um, we talked about how... Um, I don't in this specific army. I don't really have any assaulting power, um, so I I really think I need every unit on the board shooting every single turn to actually clear people off of objectives because I don't really have too much that can flip objectives like in the assault phase, um, which is pretty critical for a lot of other armies, and you get a lot of utility out of out of that. Right, you're getting extra movement. You're flipping an objective. Um, you're getting to fight in their turn if they're not if they're not falling back. All that sort of thing. There's a huge disruptive effect to having close combat in your army, um, and I just don't really, I don't really have that in in this unit comp right now. Um, so yeah, I, I could have done some some strategic reserves. Um, I think I would have just lost more though, honestly, had I, had I done that because there was there wasn't room to hide much else than what I had already hidden. Um, I think based off of the line of sights and the deployment room I had, both of those redemptors are going to be able to shoot. Uh, Tarox and um, 
the you know if he wanted to bring in the drop pot on the first turn that was you know that's an inevitable inevitability you know he's gonna be able to shoot shoot with them now I, now when i when i look at your list i think about uh its viability on something like the game's workshop terrain and just the sheer line of sight blocking like mid-board and like the ability to hide things back and not even be touched like in your back edge the back of your board I feel like your list would be very strong in that setup. Is that something that you're considering playing in or, you know, with the meta kind of moving that way in certain big events? Is that something you've thought about? I think so I have good. Um, yeah, I think I think my list is is good for for what it is. Um, I don't think it's a I think it's going to struggle against the the S tier stuff. Right. So, um, you know, Admech and Dark Eldar specifically. Um, but yeah, it's speaking with relation to the Games Workshop terrain. Um, it is really nice that on every game on a Games Workshop setup, I can make sure tank commanders don't die on the first turn, right? So that gets me that gets me in the door. Um, with the, with many other terrain setups and 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 other tournaments, um, stuff like that, if I can't if I can't effectively hide both Mandacores and three tanks, then I I can pack it in most of the time because I'm gonna lose like. 450 points of army right um so yeah the games workshop the games workshop setup definitely helps um the thing that is a little harder with it versus the the vanguard terrain um that we used is that you have those huge 12 by 12s right um so even though the terrain is really large you actually create less dead space behind them so you, you actually have a little less line of sight blocking um, effectively than than stuff that's using more solid walls, right? If you think about kind of a shadow that that terrain creates that that like vehicles can hide behind, it's actually just like a small rectangle behind the uh, behind the Games Workshop ones, whereas the Vanguard ones that we were using were we built them with solid walls. Um, so there was a lot more dead space. You could actually put like a vehicle in there, and it wouldn't it wouldn't get shot on that first turn. Um, I think what's yeah, interesting it, that you, that people uh, may not see until you played on it is like that middle that middle uh, obscuring terrain actually blocks like yeah. you like you put you can basically put everything in a big L yep. behind yep. Uh, in your deployment zone. Like when I I was playing knights and I put the armagers back there and they. They were never targetable turn one, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. I think I think it creates a really a pretty good like obscured deployment. Actually, I think your tank commanders would do really well in that setup. Yeah. the The issue, the hard part with the Games Workshop one is that there's really almost no line of sight over eighteen inches. I was just about to say the problem is, is you get to shoot, and then if you don't kill whatever's right there, it's on top of you. Because for instance, yeah. like as we all know, I drive the bandwagon, so I'm playing a lot of Drakari right now. So yeah. But it's it's one of those things where I can pretty on their terrain I can bounce from middle to your in yeah. your thing. With that being considered, with the FLG terrain, the GW terrain, what future changes have you been looking at in your list right now, or if you're looking to ally, you know, what what are your thoughts right now in the to the future of your list? Um, I I don't I don't really have any plans for this list honestly. Um, I I really think that this is you know I. We talked. I mentioned earlier in the first part about kind of options with guard. Um, I think it's it's kind of all skew at this point, uh, which which sucks because that's kind of the, the 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 death rattle of a codex, right? Is when all it has left is skew. Um, but uh, yeah, so I don't I don't really have any 
plans for this. Uh, I made a last minute adjustment um, right before this event. I used to have storm bolters on the Tarox. I dropped those to upgrade what was previously one Scion squad. So I used to have four Scion squads and 20 guardsmen up to 30 guardsmen, which is really handy. I think that actually gave me an edge in a lot of my games. Um, but I'm actually really determined to continue playing Astra Militarum. Um, just going pure all the time with it. I was just th- I was just yeah, thinking of the fact that you, I, could just, uh, you know if you put in a little punch, even if we put in the DMX, just so like I could yell Rough Riders all the time. I don't like them. Yeah. I just like DMX, but that's more so for that. Yeah. But, no, I was just thinking for for the army because of the fact you you stated that I just have no you know melee power. You know what I mean? Of just maybe allying in even a small detachment yeah. of something, Custode Sisters. You know something basically that hits anybody. Yeah. They they yeah. help you out a little. If yeah, if I were to if I were to consider the best allies uh, for for guard, it would it would be sisters, I think, because um, they they can bring that speed, they can bring that killing power. Um, second up would be custodies. Uh, I think the the trouble with getting those allies in is um, that you know you're you're taking a patrol with custodies at least, right, and you're getting you're paying at minimum what is it like 150 points for three custodies that that is eating up that is eating up a lot of your army definitely um, the, the sisters for me groups. are probably yeah. J- Lennon and i can argue this because i think he likes custodies a little bit more i like cheap i've always been cheap so uh but i i don't know what, what just what are your thoughts on that you said you're staying pure but what are your you know future possible options um yeah like bunch of repentia i think is like where my my instinct goes right off the bat um otherwise i did i did play with some custodies for a while um a couple of uh i think the detachment i took was two two shield captains and a minimum squad of some shield shield guys so the shield guard shield custodian guard sorry um and that that's nice because it gives you that speed and it keeps the obsec right so a shield captain Fighting on an objective with obsec is still kind of a pain to deal with, and they give you some volume of fire. Um, they give you that disruptive effect off of charging. They have fly. They have fantastic movement. They look a lot like Tarox if you squint hard enough. Um, good enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good enough. Perfect. Yeah. One thing that I was looking at and kind of alluding to my original question: um, Have you looked at the Thud Gun? I think it's called the Quad Launcher or something like that. It's it's ninety points, but it provides like kind of a profile that's kind of sexy in the current terrain setup. I think it has forty six strength five, no AP shots that can kind of. I think that's pretty scary for things like sisters and uh, you know those T three bodies of Admech. Yeah, let me let me pull up the Thud Gun here really quick. I, I had looked at it before. I kind of wrote it off in my head. I think it has no AP and it hits. It has no AP. Is yeah, it's the biggest. Like that's kind of it, right? Like <laughs> against sisters, now you're rolling two up saves and cover. Like, I'm super afraid of yeah. it with Jakari because I don't bring uh, armor. Yeah, but y'all, you already got the Tarox in there, right? Like they're they're kicking out they're kicking out thirty strength four shots hitting on threes, and they're fast they're fast enough to get around a lot of terrain pieces. So like, That's true, yeah. Any yeah, anything the Thud Gun's gonna kill. And let me look at the points on the Thud Gun really quick. I'm sorry, it's ninety. Um, be, I believe it's ninety points. Yeah, so for for thirty more points, you get the Tarox, right? Does the Tarox ignore line of sight? No, no, God no. Yeah. 
No. Because <laughs> I think, but with... it moves fourteen. It moves fourteen, yeah. so it's it's fast. It's and it hits on threes. Yeah. And, and yeah. And just I do the like game. the speed of them a um, lot with that. You, when we were talking about that, in the even in the game that you lost on that, you know, what I mean, one of my thoughts was just using that Torox. Obviously, losing a lot of them turn one was huge because of the fact that yeah. I think you could have probably scattered a little bit more. Obviously, he took some losses. You know what I mean, but. That's why I was asking the reserves and everything else here. I mean, it's hard for without mm-hmm. seeing the, the board itself, but they do have a lot of speed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you have yeah, a, an armies that don't have as many units themselves basically go mm-hmm. scattered. And that's your, your typical. Yeah. I can't deal with these guys that hit me real hard, but they have to come up to me to hit me. Well, let's be everywhere now. Yeah. And that happened in one of my later games. I played at Mike. Forget Mike's last name. He's another, he's another Goonhammer contributor. Mike's Death Guard. Um, and he included Mortarian. Um, Mortarian got into me on, I think, the third turn. I think I managed to deny him charges for two turns, which is pretty good. But uh, he got into me on the third turn, and I, I absolutely just, like, <laughs> scattered to the four winds, right? Um, so, yeah, the Tarox were, like, in his deployment zone, like, shooting up his pox walkers um, by that time. The tank commanders, um, they're pretty speedy if they don't shoot, right? Because they can actually move twice. So they're moving 20 plus 2d6 inches a turn if they're not shooting. So that's what happened. It's like more carrying charge. And I just like <laughs> I just scrambled the QB. I think take him both, just both give corners. Him the meme of yeah. nope, 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 nope. Yeah, they just yeah they they, they got the hell out of dodge. Um. So yeah, that that is an Mike option Oxen. with the Crocs and everything like that. Yeah, yeah. Tell us, tell me a little bit about you know we we said that you had you know you learned you looked for loss conditions in the other five games. Kind of give me the the strategies that you then utilized. I mean, it, obviously, some of them are not. You just, you know, it's not like you had an epiphany and went, "I'm now, I'll never lose again." After figuring out this one game, yeah. but like, <laughs> what else you ought to be? Because you you did well the rest of it, and you played in the same terrain the rest of the weekend. So, what, did you yeah. learn from your your deployment and everything else? What you know, what did you take from the rest of the tournament? Basically, that you learned from that game. Because the, the cool thing is, is that it's not like we ever want any of us want to lose a game. But if you're gonna lose a game, get it out of the way first and lose, you know, and win win throughout afterwards. Right. Um. So yeah, the obviously looking for those. I never had. I never had a top of one as bad as that for the rest of the weekend. So I, I wasn't looking for loss conditions so much as I was kind of like fishing for the the win condition that we kind of talked about. Um, there was, you know, dangers where I could I could basically give an unforced error is is kind of how I think of it. Um, across every game, a lot of it a lot of it for me ends up being with just giving charges, right? Um, I, I want to keep you back as much as possible. I want I don't want to give you that free movement. So a lot of it is that, um, you know, I played Admech the second round, so they have all their infiltrators and their uh, their raiders, so they have a ton of movement. Um, so yeah, that, that loss condition was just like, even if I'm not scoring on the first two turns, just don't give a charge, right? I need those Torox to eat through all those T3 and T4 bodies. I need them around. Um, so that was that was it. I think I ended up, Kind of doing some disruptive charges with the Tarox into, um, into like a, a Skatari block, a couple Skatari blocks later in the game, just to like make him use his his fallback, his fallback and shoot thing. Um, against Dan was was Necrons, so the the thing I was really sensitive to there was giving Katan, so that that was a double Katan list. Um, that was like don't give the Katans a charge, no matter what, like stay. 
I think they move eight, so it's like yeah, eight, move eight. twenty inches. And away. that's the thing is, yeah. if they're not, if you're not giving them charges, they actually take a while to get to wherever they're going. Yeah. So I was like, do not give these dudes charges eight, twenty inches away all the time, no matter what, and then you know make them eat a smite or something on the way in. Um, uh, with Mike was yeah, don't don't give Mortarian a charge. Just that easy. I mean, he's going to get a charge eventually. Just don't give it to him as late as possible. Um, Dan was knights. Um, so the last condition there was don't let the Castlin shoot tank commanders, right? Because uh, that Castlin's going to pick up two tank commanders, no problem. Um, and then against David, David was playing Blood Angels. Um, that was that was a little tougher because Blood Angels look a lot like Space Wolves if you squint. Um, that was kind of same strategy with Space Wolves. If something charges me, um, I need it to be a throwaway unit, and that thing is going to die the next turn no matter what. So that was kind of the don't give him any charges that come with a follow-up. That's kind of the, the thing there. But I, I mean, I had shooting superiority in all of the rest of my matches. Um, and I obviously had speed in a lot of a lot of vehicles still. So What do you <clears throat> what do you have coming up tournament-wise? Uh, and what kind of things are you planning for terrain-wise? I mean, do you go in any of the GW or the FLG events? Yeah, so I'm going to the um, going to the New Orleans uh, series. Uh, I was previously going to the uh, I missed the Atlantic City one because I had to, I had to travel for work, so I was sad about that. Um, but I don't know what the rest of my calendar looks like right now. Uh, I am actually trying to get out to the FLG events, um, but yeah, it's it's going to be some local stuff for a little bit, and then uh, New Orleans. And uh, I think I have a ticket to LVO, so I'll, I'll be at LVO. I was saying, with, with the rest um, of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, New Orleans, LVO, and uh, I, don't, I don't know of any other majors that I have planned right now. But um, stuff crops up. Well, I'm going to officially, I'm gonna officially trap you in a dinner. So you're going to dinner with us in New Orleans. This is happening. You're officially trapped. trapped. Yeah, you're right. officially trapped here, buddy. Hell yeah. Tell us a little bit about how this army plays into other st- other styles. We've kind of already alluded to the combat one. The combat strategy is, hey, don't touch me. That's that's kind of yeah. your whole plan. You're fast. You can kind of yeah. fan out. You don't want to get tapped. Against other shooting armies, What? how do you play into that? Um, other shooting armies, uh, I, I rely heavily on the Manticores to take out the um real quick on that of, let's let's actually break them down yeah. just a little bit like some of the, the archetypes let's just say you you've got the shootier admac you've got the kind of four dreadnought build that you see a lot of times with marines right now give us like those kind of breakdown because those are much different uh in just shooting yeah um so i haven't i haven't played into the four dreadnought list uh i think that's john's Ultramarines. You have John's Ultramarines. You've got, um, uh, well, there's two different versions of them, of course. You have the four Dreadnoughts and the two uh, two Walkers, the Invictor Warsuits. Yeah. And then you've got yeah. the, there's a Death Watch version of it also. But all of them are basically bringing, most of them are bringing four, four to, with two Redemptors, two Contemptors. You know, there's a lot of slight variations of that, but that's like the core of that list. Yeah. Um, the thing the thing I've found with shooting is I actually, uh, I, I, Tend, I can really, with fair confidence, say that as long as the tank commanders survive, if they're living and they're shooting, I'm I am really out shooting kind of everything, right? Um, as as long as the stuff stays alive, right? It still shoots well. It's potent. It's just fragile. Um, so against the admech, admech shooting, right? Um, they have their uh their ranger their ranger stratagem for kind of a soft counter to a vehicle to turn. Um, they're they're gonna pop 
a Tarox or um, or a, a Manticore if they can see it with their with their Ranger stratagem to make it strength five minus two one damage. Um, heavy three, I think. Um, but yeah, that they're going to pop a vehicle turn there. Uh, so the target priority there, if I'm into some shooty admech, is uh, get after those Laz chickens because um, the three damage Manticores really help pick those up. Um, if we're talking about Dreadnoughts, Guard has a stratagem called, I think, Devastating Barrage from Lehman Russ. Uh, and that, that lets you maximum shots. So if you're in double double shooting range and you have that, you're kicking out 12 Demolisher shots, hitting on threes, rolling ones, strength 10, minus three, D6 damage piece. So you can basically have, if you get that, you can have one tank remove a walker, and then you have two manticores and two other tanks around to probably kill like two more walkers a turn if, if you're given that um you know playing against a good player they're not generally going to give you that but they can't really avoid too much damage because you do have the manticores in there which is indirect shooting you can't really get away from it for those listening who um, don't know tell us a little bit about those full payload manticores because those things are nasty yeah they they are yeah <laughs> they can be nasty they can also completely biff it because they're still a, they're a four up hitting unit. Um, but a full payload Manticore is two d six shots, strength ten, minus two AP, flat three di- flat three damage. Um, and you know, with the gunnery experts trait, you're rerolling one of those dice. So on average, I think it's you get eight and a half shots out of them um, off of your off of your two dice. Um, and then you know, obviously, strength ten and, and flat three. So you can apply you can apply some pretty good damage to stuff over the course of a couple turns um, if if people decide not to engage you. Um, and that's something that crocked up a couple times in Goonhammer. But you know, between those two, um, let's say I'm playing into that dreadnought list, or I'm playing playing an Admech player who's intelligently being really cagey with their units. Um, you can attrit. You can attrit them over a couple turns, right? Because you're going to lose a couple Laz chickens a turn. You're you're going to lose a dreadnought a turn to those Manticores. So they kind of put you on a shot clock, right? Of you you have to engage, or you're you're just going to attrit out. And then after about the second turn, I can you know swarm out with those. I can swarm out with those Tarox and um, get onto the board. I can swarm out with those thirty four up Invuln Guardsmen and and just make it a pain. Um, so shoot it perfect <laughs> yeah so that's got, generally how i deal with them. the other shooting matchup if if the magical day comes and i ever play another guard player i just wham bam windmill slam dunk those manticores into tank commanders and call it a day and that's kind of that's kind of how that goes um yeah that's how i deal with shooting i just I'll shoot it it's just that easy <laughs> It's just that easy. Yeah, it's just do it. <laughs> you got big guns, you use them. So you, the same stratagem when you're playing like these these new work armies that come with all the scrap jets, all the buggies, all different versions of that. You know what I mean? With just a lot of shooting yeah. from freebooters or blood axes. Yeah, that. Yeah, I I have not really found success against orcs yet. Um, if orcs become a problem, I'm gonna gonna try out my man's Yarick. Instead of instead of Cody, Yarrick shows yeah. Them. <laughs> like if if orcs are just like an S tier pick coming out, or they're just like an un like nearly unwinnable matchup for me. Otherwise, then I'm gonna I'm gonna take Cody as out. I'm gonna find ten more points somewhere, and uh, Yar- Yarrick's getting in there. Um, he does, which orcs. is nice. He's 
he's useful against other matchups too because he he can actually provide the reroll one's aura instead of my tempester so basically i'm i'm swapping out some mortal wounds um it's a bit of an issue because i lose the invuln on the guardsman which is kind of like a big deal for board control but you know works throughout enough attacks where it doesn't really matter um so he's getting the reroll one, but then full rerolls against orcs. So that's always an option. I don't love. Is it that. an aura of full rerolls versus orcs? Is it like a six inch aura or something, or is it? Yeah, for Yarik, it's a six inch aura of reroll ones against everything, and then reroll failed hits because it's an old codex. So it's not all hits, but failed hits against orcs, and that's that's nice. I mean, that's huge. You can you can outshoot um, like a rocket truck span yeah. with that with some manticores. Um, but yeah, with the, with the scrap or not, not the scrap jets, but the, uh, rocket truck was bombs, the was bomb DACA jets are like a big problem. Yeah. They're, they're a big problem. If you see one, one or two of those in a list, cause you know, they can get anywhere on the board and they're just going to pick up paint commander at least when they shoot. So if you see that and you go second, it's kind of like, well, that's that. Cause they're going to be following up with kill rigs. So. Yeah, it's a pretty pretty brutal list actually. That uh, rocket truck uh, like uh, flyer list looks like it's gonna be a gonna be an issue for several lists. I'm not sure how elite yeah. it is versus some of the bigger armies, but man, it's it's a hammer to some lists, definitely. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those matchups where I'm just kind of like I don't really know. I don't really know if I have gas in the tank to win that. Well, Brad, what else you got today for Scott? A lot of stuff, a lot of stuff and things. It's mainly uh, the setups. I kind of want to go over the Vanguard tactics versus the GW terrain versus the um, FLG. I forgot where I was for a second. They, yeah, they run, they run an event or two. The, so what is your thoughts on specific, not specifically your army on their terrain? But what are your overall thoughts on what terrain setups you like the best You know, for the community? Um, so I'm not I'm not actually familiar with the FLG terrain setups. I think you guys did uh, player pl- player placed in Lone Star. Player placed right? on your half. Yeah. Um, so I, I think if I were to rank my personal preference on the three, I think I would put player placed last. Um, because you you know you, you're talking about you're playing Dark Eldar, right? You can just put all the terrain in the center of the board, and you got like you got your little island hop. For your whole army and and there's not a whole lot i can do about that from from like my perspective um so i do like i i do like player place by to a certain extent in that you, you know you're not getting you're not getting um you're not getting hammed on on your deployment zone where like you don't have any dead space or anything like that if you don't have dead space it's kind of your fault but it also gives the other player a lot of agency to literally place the battlefield to their advantage and that i feel like that might be able to uh you know that might really push the envelope for a lot of the higher tier armies so i feel like that the player place probably the player place probably pushes the favor more in favor of the higher tier armies than the lower tier armies um that's my initial evaluation that's kind of an unqualified opinion though so don't put too much salt don't don't carry too much water in that basket um second is going to be the Games Workshop ones. Um, I really like the amount of dead space it creates in your deployment zone, so you avoid losses early. Um, I think the biggest downfall to the Games Workshop one is that there is no shooting. There's really no shooting over 18 inches. 
and um yeah that just hurts like some armies some armies just have to do that to function um so then we get to my personal favorite the the goonhammer setups or the vanguard tactics kind of setups we developed um which provide a lot of dead space but then also provide lines of shooting over 18 inches right uh so it's kind of a player agency thing where i can always hide if i want to however if i want to shoot something over 18 inches away i have the option as long as the other player has presented that target for me um so those are those are kind of the the rank order i would do it um just off the initial take again i'm not super familiar with the frontline frontline gaming terrain setups so i may i might be simplifying that that's kind of an unqualified opinion off the cuff that makes sense. I think that you do get more firing lanes on the setup y'all played at the last event, which I think is good for a lot of armies, and it gives you more play style options, I guess. Yeah, it's just it's different. That's why I asked on that because you're obviously playing a, a more shooty army. I play a lot of punch punch armies. Yeah. So I'm always when I'm looking at terrain for my personal preference, I'm like, get me all the terrain. Yeah. I will fight in the what was it the necromunda that's where i'm fighting right there i'm I'm fighting in the hive city so it's it's everybody likes it a little bit different but i think that everybody at least agrees that we don't want to go back to the days of just wide open lanes where whoever goes first just kills the other person yeah and and honestly you know our on in our event here we didn't our combat armies didn't really struggle we in the top eight we had two dark eldar of blood angels and a sisters so like, you know, they, they weren't struggling. Um, so, yeah, I, I didn't think the fire lanes were really too bad at all. I like that, though. You know what I mean? I like the, the fact that you, you, know, you set it out on that. <clears throat> what do you think that Imperial Guard needs to be more competitive right now? What is what are your if you're doing the codex? What is your wish list right now? Like, what do you need right now? Uh, how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> we've got time you know, that's the thing though is like you you're talking about it you're you're not super excited about your old old codex but yeah. what do they need to do to make it so that you're not even s tier just what do you need to be just competitive competitive yeah. all the time yeah if you want it basically what do you need to be on the same yeah. like that that marine-esque yeah, you know that tier of everybody's got a chance I'm, to win. i'm gonna call it the death guard sweet spot right because the death guard great codex it's that like I think it's winning between like 50 and 55% right now. Um, it's accessible. It's not overly complicated. Every data sheet in there is viable. I, I love the Death Guard Codex. It's, it's a great job. Um, my evaluation of Guard right now, um, the biggest issue with it is that there are so few viable data sheets. Um, I think I'm running every viable data sheet in this army right now, in the army I brought. Uh, you know, people are going to rip and tear their clothing and say, ah, oh, what about Bolgren? And swing no. <laughs> swing your 400 point unit of bulgren into any combat unit in the game and you're going to be really disappointed like swing it into some death guard terminators swing it into some um any terminator really anything with the two up safe right like it's it looks pretty it's the, really yeah, dire. the problem is is that it's the point efficiency yeah. that gets you. yeah yeah um so yeah I don't, i'm not gonna say what i would uh wish for in a in a guard codex um, but I would say that the things holding it back right now is just points, points for juice, really. Um, you, you know, everything, like all the indirect fire, right? Like indirect fire guard needs that, um, to, so you need, you need combat, you need your indirect fire are like, should be 
one of the two things you're looking for in a guard codec since you're limited your your options are so limited so the by design the things that are meant to do that for for guard are going to be your your artillery platforms for your indirect fire and then your bulgren and it's the combat options are bulgren 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 and, and more bulgren and that's that's all you have um you have catechins but like piles of strength four no ap attacks these days eh, right on like t3 bodies without saves it's not it's not going to get you too far um um so bulgren yeah like they are going to need they would need some sort of either resiliency buff um or killing power or or both or a drop or the ability to advance and charge or really just not not needing so much support right because right now the issue with bulgren is you have your nine bulgren that runs e350 you need a psyker you need your psychic barrier on them to get them that one up three up and that's with mixed saves so you get your like funny wound allocation going on and then you need a priest on top of that so you're you're it's like a 400 point 400 just north of 400 it's like 430 points or something like that to run like a true like bulgren ball um and you're you're just not gonna get you're not gonna get 430 some odd points of utility out of that unit, right? Because you charge it into you charge it into some other midfield objective holder, and you just bounce a lot of times, and then you lose three or four Bulgren on the crackback, and and that that's just not a way you can run run at that. Um, and then the second thing is is besides demolisher tank commanders and full payload Manticores, there's just not a lot of shooting in the codex that is supposed to be shooting, right? Um, if you look at like just a naked basilisk, um, you get like two hits a turn, strength nine minus three D three damage, maybe. Um, if you're shooting over dense, that drops to one hit a turn, and that's a hundred and thirty point unit there, I think. So it's just not doing it anymore, right? Um, a lot of the guard codex, um had troubles transitioning into ninth and this is something i wrote about in the ninth points changes when all of your heavy bolters went up to 15 points so you have a lot of like low 100 point models that took an eight point increase off of the addition change so a lot of like it was huge inflation on the army all the characters went up five points they were like 25 points before now they're 30 like that's a huge percentage increase on all those units Guardsmen even went up five points. Um, that's ten percent increase on a unit, right, from fifty to fifty-five. Um, so in ninth, a lot of the units inflated, and as the newer codexes have been coming out, units have been doing more, right? Um, but really, right now is it's just cost for guard right now. Otherwise, like it's it's almost there. If you were to tank the cost, then then it would it would go <laughs> it would go well. Um, but it just doesn't do the damage that it's priced for right now, and, and that's hard. Um, and you, then you don't have you don't have combat. So there's a, there's a lot there's a lot I would change. So basically, do you think that if they if you got some obviously new data sheets, but if you got mainly a points the de- uh, points decrease that it would put you back into validity? Um, yeah, I, I think that you could get us out of the 30s at least, right? So. I think I mentioned earlier, it's like it's like a 30, 35% win rate for this codex. The only thing lower is is Gene Stiller Colts. Um, if I were master of points recommendations right now, um, the first thing I would look at 
would be the cost of the heavy and special weapons generally in in the codex right um uh, a heavy bolter being 15 points on a four plus to hit model is not good right um at minimum or at maximum it should probably be 10 you got you're paying five points for like a grenade launcher on a guardsman squad i that should honestly probably just be a free include honestly it's like one one per squad just put it on there give them a little bit more oomph and you can get a lot of weapons into the army just if you just lower just lower the weapon cost in general um and that'll help with a lot of the shooting from the other the other data sheets um and that might help make things a little bit more viable um Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, otherwise, like, I just think it kind of needs a new codex. The uh, the data sheets that are there to make them viable, you really have to tank it. And like, there's already so many deployment problems for this army. Like, I was talking about how I was running out of deployment space. Like, if if I get <laughs> if I'm not running tank commanders and I'm not running full payload manticores, let's say normal Lehman Russ become viable. Um, and like normal basilisks become viable now instead of five holes plus my tarox or something let's say i'm trying to like put six holes down and five tarox and 40 guardsmen like i'm out of deployment space like i literally can't deploy anything else um so that's kind of like it's it's a tough spot right it's a rock and a hard place so i think really the only flex space you have left on on a book this old is just get those get those weapons in there at the very least um and and at least up the lethality cuz all the resilience and stuff that's really tied to the data sheet and that's not going to that's not going to change until there's a new codex awesome scott that's awesome insight yes. actually um so for to end this episode to wrap it up i actually have the q and a from the war room that we do every week so for those who don't know, we actually, if you listen to part one, you know, obviously, but in the war room every week, we post a post and let people ask questions for our guests each week. So this week, we actually have a question from Spencer Connell. I assume he knows you because he's referencing who I assume is your wife because he says, hey, Scott, congrats on your win at Goonhammer Open. Hope you and Katie yeah, are doing well. How well do you think an yeah, all Lehman yeah. Russ army could do in terms of scoring and more importantly, denying secondaries other than bring it down? And he also says, hope to see you at the Nova Narrative 2022. Oh, thanks. Uh, well, hey, man, good to, good to hear from you. Katie's doing well. Um, how do I think an all Lehman Russ army would do? Uh, I think it would do really terribly, actually. Um, you can get obsec on them by tossing them in a spearhead. So maybe um, the issue is, is getting tapped, kind of how we were talking earlier, which... Uh, if you're planning on shooting into combat with them, that leaves you with punishers and exterminators. Um, eight auto cannon shots hitting on four up or five up if you're shooting into combat just doesn't really have the juice to kill literally anything. Um, the punishers maybe uh, if if the T three the T three trend uh, holds up, like they they might be somewhat useful. Um, but even, even if you're shooting, you know, 40 shots into combat, if you're hitting on fives, it's 13 hits. Um, then you get to the wounds and the saves and it, it you know, it, it, the numbers diminish pretty quickly on, on what that looks like. Um, so yeah, I think an all, an all tank list is not, 
competitively viable. Um, it would not be good at denying or scoring secondaries, and it would also not be good at scoring or denying primaries, unfortunately. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be awesome. It'd be, a, be an awesome list to run, but it'd be terrible at uh, playing the mission. But awesome. Thanks for joining us, Scott. Uh, we really enjoyed having you. Excellent episode, and we hope to have you back sometime in the future. Sure. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. And as always, check out Goonhammer.com. I bet most of you already have, but it is an excellent resource for just gameplay, strategy, tactics. And uh, Scott's one of the writers on there, so check out some of the stuff he's written on there as well. And as always, check us out at TheArtOfWar40K.com. Check out our other podcast, Art of War Vanilla with Tim Penny and John Lennon. And you have The Art of War Down Under with Adam Camilleri. We are The Art of War Pistachio. You know the, the drill. The late and great. The late and great <laughs> Adam Camilleri. Sorry, I have to include that uh, for those listening. But all right, thanks for listening. Join us next week. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War and the Art of War Down Under podcast on the competitive 40K network. The Art of War 40K.com. 